Hello and welcome to the Crack and Banter podcast with me, Reese, and my co-host Luke. Luke, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on the Crack and Banter podcast. How are you? I am also good. Lovely to have you back. Lovely to be back chatting about all the lovely things that we like to talk about. Um, got a few things to talk about this week, but how have you been? Look, we, we had a little break for the, the Halloween holidays there. And uh, we're back now again to, to chat. So I'm sure there's been a few things that have happened, but we'll we'll catch up with everything as we're talking. But how have you been? Yes, uh, I've been very well. Uh, for Halloween this year, I went as a man sitting on the sofa, drinking beer and watching TV. It was a very uh, enjoyable costume. That's, that's a good costume, yeah. That's the <laughs> trick. Just pick a comfortable costume that's, you know... That, that's a, a really good skill to choose something to dress up as for Halloween that allows you to be completely comfortable all night without, um, without too much too much worry. Because that is yes. like, sometimes it's great to have a really nice costume, but like, oh, sitting around all night and you, you, like you, you can't sit down or you can't stand up because your costume will get wrecked or your costume just doesn't allow you to move properly is pretty annoying so i think you've i think you've nailed it there yeah everyone commented how committed i was to the bit <laughs> even so much still i'm uh still doing it now <laughs> yeah yeah people are like wow he really he really does embody the character of man sitting on the sofa drinking beer he he's really nailed that character you must he must have put so much work so much prep into playing this role method acting exactly uh, uh, lots of lots of parts though where I think I imagine we shall be quite glad that the actors didn't do method acting though because uh, I, I think it always ends poorly like when you've got Jared Leto sending uh, a rat and like, uh, was it like a dead rat to one of his co-stars was to, to get Something into like the mind yeah. of the Joker yeah yeah bit weird also not really a thing that the joker does you know it's, it's not exactly like even even doing that is weird enough anyway but it's also just not accurate to the character that you're method acting as i don't think that's something the joker would ever do at least from the the version of the joker that i know i feel like that's that's pretty out of character for him so even even as a method actor that's still wrong so i think it's an interesting choice to be fair, I think it was probably a bit, it would be a bit low key for the Joker. Uh, I think you'd be more likely to send rat catcher, a dead rat catcher to someone rather than a yes. dead rat. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I do. The, sorry, this is very off topic. Guys. There's just such a wide spectrum of Jokers. Joker goes from being a bit goofy, like the one in the Batman, the animated series, to a literal silence of the lamb style yeah. killer <laughs> to just destroying people's lives for for no reason yeah i suppose there is a bit of a gradient but i, I feel like none of those versions are, are still the jared leto thing though i feel like yes. that's still i feel like it, that will go down in history certainly as being a unique performance which maybe that is what he wanted but i feel like it's not for the right reasons you know the word the word unique is doing a lot of work in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, the unique is, is doing some heavy lifting for him there. 
<laughs> to call that that part unique but it's a very generous interpretation yeah yeah well that was different this <laughs> is kind of the nicest way to put it anyway actually we can we can link that back into the news because uh david iron is continuing efforts to get the david iron cut of suicide oh, yes. squad yeah. released concept art of uh, an alternative joker costume yeah again to me, that's that's not the way to get people on board <laughs> because that concept art looked horrible. Yeah. So for basically, for those of you who haven't seen it, sorry, this isn't a very good format to discuss anything visual. <laughs> uh, but for people who didn't see it, I think the only way to describe it would be it was so bad that it honestly made the choice they did go with the right one. <laughs> yeah, unbelievably, if you can believe that. You'd rather see Jared Leto's ridiculous uh, Joker than what they did originally have. I've, it's literally, it's just coming back to me now the more I'm thinking about it. He had, his eyebrows were tattooed on, weren't they? They were like, Yeah, well, look more squiggled on, sort of. Basically, imagine a toddler with a marker pen had been loose on the uh, Jared Leto's face and you've sort of got something close to what it looked like. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like a it doesn't feel like a movie that we need to see now. Even even if that did wonders, we've we've got an unbelievably good Suicide Squad movie now. There's no way it's gonna it's gonna be outdo that. I don't think. You know, yeah. even like if it's if it's a hundred times better than the original Suicide Squad, I don't think it's outdoing James Gunn. And that's nothing against David Ayer, but nope, not for me. <laughs> Thank you. I think we you know just. As much as, yes, I am on record saying I enjoyed the Snyder Cut of Justice League, it now has led to an absolute queue of directors wanting to release their cuts of superhero yeah. films. I, I keep seeing some demand, mostly from the Josh Trank himself, for the Trank cut of uh, Fan Fantastic. Yeah, again, just, just leave it, just rest it, because... We're gonna get more Fantastic Four movies anyway. Like we we're in an era now where it's bad enough with like the sequels and reboots. Not bad enough, but you know, we're everything gets a sequel, everything gets a reboot, everything wants to be a franchise. I didn't think we'd get to the point where not only were we seeing sequels to everything, but we were also seeing the same movie over and over again. Like I I never would have thought that would be a point we got to. So I, I don't I hope it's not like. A common thing that happens now. I feel like the Snyder Cut was a pretty big cultural deal in a sense. Like that was something that hadn't really been done on that kind of scale. Like director's cuts exist, but they're it's normally like a release to DVD or whatever kind of thing. To do it to, on that scale and like bring actors back and and have that level of support behind it is, I think, a, a pretty cool thing. But I think it's kind of a one and done. We don't really need to see that again because you. I don't think you can improve upon anything that much. Even like Zack Snyder's Justice League was uh, leaps and bounds better than the original one because it went from being a bad movie to a good movie, which is pretty impressive. But like, I just don't think we need that for every movie. And that's not going to be the case for a lot of these movies. Like you can't, you can't make a movie bad and then come out and be like, no, but let me do it again. <laughs> you know, there's enough movies to go around without making the same one twice, I think. But, uh, I would, I would admire if a director just came out and said, "Yep, 
hold my hands up. I just made a straight up shit movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or especially because I think a lot of the reasons some directors want this is because of like studio interference and stuff, which must be annoying as a director, especially when then you do feel like your vision is in there somewhere and it's just got lost. But I think that's a part, that's part of the job now, especially when you're doing these franchise movies or these like uh, IPs that belong to other companies and stuff. When it's not yours originally from the start, you have to expect some interference and it like it is very annoying i'm sure for a lot of directors but that's that's part of your contract now you don't get to come out and say it's bad but it's not my fault or you can't say that but you can't you can't demand another shot at it i don't think the the only thing i could offer in their defense is that a lot of these complainants were people who made movies for warner brothers studios who uh, during the earlier days of the DC cinematic universe were apparently horrendous for yeah. interfering with the production process. But I think they've eased up on it now, hence why the call, there's been a noticeable uptick in quality. But I think yeah. to a certain degree, we've gotten the one big one, probably just better drawn a line under the whole thing now. Yeah, I, I reckon so. Just Just move on. Just move on make a new movie and make that movie good instead but that that would be my two cents um yeah that that's that is kind of what some of the big news of the week the biggest thing really that happened was uh disney plus day which i didn't even know was a thing until it was over <laughs> but uh it was like a big disney announcement day um for like new disney projects uh, and a big mix of stuff of course there was a million marvel things <laughs> that came out because you can always rely on Marvel for some announcements. Uh, I'm not going to talk about everything, but there was just a couple of things that I was excited for that I wanted to talk about. Uh, did you see any of these announcements? Was there anything that grabbed you particularly from the last few days? I mean, coming out? what grabbed me was the sheer amount of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I hope people at home can give a bit of sympathy to people making podcasts at the moment because uh, we could basically now start a secondary podcast only discussing reviewing Marvel movies and it would fill up easily uh, an, an episode a week at, yeah. at minimum. It's, it's it's getting ridiculous. I do have to wonder, with everything being interconnected now, is, is this going to be off-putting for the casual viewer? I mean, if you took earlier in the MCU, you could you could, you could walk into, say, Thor... Now, there would be some stuff linking it to the other movies, but you could walk into Thor and you hadn't, you hadn't needed to have seen Iron Man or yeah. Captain America. Captain America might have been after Thor, I can't actually remember. But you, you get the point. <laughs> yeah. Could you now, and I can't say one way or the other because I'm sitting from the perspective of someone who has seen it all, could I, as a newcomer, come in, have maybe, maybe even only missed the last four or five releases watch something new from Marvel, either a TV series or a movie, and know what was going on, even if it's not necessarily a sequel. I'm not sure you could. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think you could definitely still enjoy it. And I think there's there's bound to be very, very few people who don't even know what it is kind of thing. I think if you went in, you would know that you had missed a lot of stuff, if that makes sense. So I think as long as you were able to be like, okay, I haven't seen the other ones, there'll be bits in this that I don't get and you're happy enough to kind of just 
chalk that up to not knowing and ignore those moments. I think there are definitely ones you could enjoy, um, but it's definitely not going to be everyone. Like it's only going to be here and here and like the occasional one, you know, that that comes out that is maybe a new story or a new character or happens to just be a bit more disconnected from the other stuff. But I don't, I think there's no way you could watch every new thing that comes out and, and be able to enjoy it, I don't think. But I think that's kind of Marvel's uh, right to do that, you know, um, yeah. at, at this point. But yeah, it does. It surprises me a bit just from like a, um, like an economic standpoint for them to basically shut off uh, new audiences to a certain degree. But I suppose, I mean, these movies make a billion dollars either way. So it's not really yeah. that big a loss to them. I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing, I think for people who are committed it is nice just to have the continuation but more just coming from the point i i last thing i watched from marvel was shanji and at that point i was up to date with everything i'm not a tv series in the movie behind mm. yeah <laughs> not, that movie only released like what two months ago yeah exactly i know like it it is hard to keep up they're, I, I feel like they're becoming basically they're becoming like the comics now and it may get to a point where you actually you can't keep up, no one can keep up unless it is your life, like unless you can somehow find a way to make money off of it so that you don't have to do anything else, it may get to a point where it's just, you have to just pick the ones that you like and, and watch those and ignore some of the other stuff that comes out, even looking at, at this like future lineup, there was some stuff in it that I was like I don't know if I'll even see that. Yeah. I would like to, but if there's, you know, if there's two or three things out at the same time, I don't know if I will watch watch all of these things. But I, um, I think I think the TV series are the point where it gets hard to keep up with because I mean, yeah, it's not a big thing going to the cinema and sort of committing even two even two to two and a half hours to watch a movie. That's no big commitment. But if you're then talking about uh, over a period of time we're saying there's maybe four movies there's also four tv series that's along with you've got your say eight hours in those movies that would be one thing your four tv series that's going to total closer nearly at 24 hours that's yeah. a much bigger commitment of time i, I don't know yeah. i think the quality is going to remain high i just think it's going to be increasingly difficult to stay abreast of everything yeah i i think so um Anything in particular that you were excited about, though, that you saw? Yes. That being said, I'm looking forward to Hawkeye. I'm looking forward to Hawkeye a lot, actually, as well. More, Not more than I thought it was, but it just it reminded me how much I do actually like a lot of those people. And uh, kind of the it felt like a slightly more classic Marvel feel because obviously Hawkeye's been there from the start. So it felt nice and Marvel-y. <laughs> uh, and I thought it looked it looks very fun. Also... It's not the first Marvel movie to be set at Christmas because Iron Man 3 was at Christmas, but or it was at New Year's, but it didn't feel particularly Christmassy. But Hawkeye looks like it's going to be properly Christmassy, which I, I'm very excited for because I I think that's going to be awesome. I've, I've been saying Marvel should do a Christmas special for ages. Obviously, they're doing the Guardians of the Galaxy actual holiday special, but uh, this is a nice, a nice in-between to have something that looks properly, properly Christmassy. I like that. Yeah, no, I, 
to be fair, I've always liked Hawkeye as a character. And I did like what I read, that there would still be... They weren't completely abandoned tonally. The shift in Hawkeye's character is going to be repercussions for his actions as Ronan yeah. uh, across the, the time period, across the two uh, Avengers movies, Endgame and Infinity War. No, other way around, Infinity War and Endgame. So I quite like that they weren't abandoning that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I, I think it would be a little bit of a waste because, like, we barely even saw Ronan anyway in that movie. It was kind of, you know, it was more left as a little thing that they could maybe come back to. So I'm glad they are coming back to it in some way now. So it's not just left as, like, oh, he's been Ronan for five years. That Here's basically a brand new character. But then in that movie, he just goes back to being Hawkeye again. It, it, like, that would be a bit of a waste. So I think that is a it's it's a good use of that character, especially like I don't know that that version of Hawkeye will be around for that much longer. Um, like obviously I don't know if this is necessarily his send off, but it certainly seems like the point of it is for him to pass on that legacy. So we'll uh we'll see how long he is around for. But I think that's that's a nice it's a nice way to make sure he gets his story with like kind of just. Just send him and I send him to much pasture, you know. Uh, I think that's that's quite fun. Um, do, I'm excited. Do you know what? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, it's it's trying to feel like Wanda Vision, where uh, Vision talked about. I think it was the Thracian ship it was sort of more of a reference to the MCU as a whole. <laughs> Is it the same MCU as the one that started with one of the parts of the scene? Yeah, yeah, that that is very true, actually. Um, but I like that again. That's like a incredibly co- incredibly comic booky thing, you know, to have these all these different versions of characters. So I I really like that. Um, that that they are just becoming like the comic books. They've already done weird, crazy time travel, or they're they're doing it still now. They've got uh, we're getting multiverses and different alternate dimensions and stuff uh and now we're getting new characters taking up old uh, mantles and stuff so that's basically everything that is crazy and ridiculous about the comics that i think um the movies maybe were staying away from a little bit because it's too ridiculous but now now we're getting it and i like that a lot um of the marvel stuff i'm quite excited for the new x-men cartoon just because man i want to see some good x-men stuff um x-men 97 i believe this well i don't know actually i saw a couple of different things i don't know if this is going to be in like the mcu continuity because it's an animated show i don't know if they're gonna they might just not even reference it or they might do it and leave it open you know for them to maybe use that as uh as the mcu introduction or not i don't i really don't know and then i saw some people saying that it's gonna be um a continuation from the old x-men cartoon series that that people really love so i don't know <laughs> i have no idea but uh I, I like i like the x-men a lot and i'm very excited to see them back uh at marvel even even on an, in an animated show i know it's not quite the same but i'm, I'm very excited still because the x-men are just just great um and then from non-marvel stuff the the biggest thing for me uh was the little behind the scenes teaser for the Obi-Wan series, Star Wars Obi-Wan series, because man oh man am I excited for that. 
Yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't see that. What was the teaser? Uh, it was just some behind the scenes. You and McGregor in an interview chatting about how much he really loved the show and I think director, maybe producers and stuff as well. I can't really remember. Um, basically just talking about the show and then a couple of bits of concept art, but nothing, no reveals. You saw Ewan McGregor doing some lightsaber training, uh, swinging them sticks around and stuff. Um, but it, it looks it looks really good. Uh, they they confer- I know they had confirmed anyway, but they talked in the thing about like Hayden Christensen coming back as well. So that's doubly, triply confirmed now. Uh, we know he's back as Vader, which is awesome. But um, no real clues about the show other than kind of them saying it, it's obviously taken place kind of just, well, I don't know how soon after uh, the episode three ends, but basically they're saying that Obi-Wan has now left. He's It's a dangerous time to be a Jedi, and uh, he's left with kind of, only one mission left, and that's to to watch over Luke. But um, remnants of his past may come in to to mess with him. Basically, <laughs> um, they talked about it much better than that. But it it looks it looks amazing. Well, I, I love Obi Wan so much, and I think people have just been waiting for this series so for so long. Like, what's interesting is I think uh, bar barring some other ones like. Um, Timur Morrison returns Boba Fett. This will really be the first proper new prequel live action thing. And uh, with the that being, sorry, I'm I'm wording this really awkwardly. But what I mean is, this will really be the first new live action thing with the act, the new actors that were brought in for yeah. the prequel. So not so obviously there's been some characters in those that have been in things outside it. But I'm talking like with the prequel trilogy actors is what i mean yeah the the first sort of sequel to the prequels if you like yeah in a sense yeah yeah because yeah because they are all different actors and everything new we've got has been very attached to the original trilogy so uh i do think that's really interesting yeah to to go back to that and kind of because it is a very different type of star wars you know those movies the prequels are very different to the original so like it is it is a different a, a different world even though it's the same setting you know so i'm i'm excited to see that i think it's really fun and um, bosk and dengar show up oh i hope so i reckon they're probably more likely to be in the book of boba fett if anything but i'm uh, i'm happy either way <laughs> to be fair bosk and live action will look so cool because like and really do anything with Boskin's only live action stuff, which was in the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, they couldn't move it, but like, well, people always assume then that the those I can't remember, Trandoshans were like really static yeah, or whatever, yeah. but then they showed in the Clone Wars that they actually move like regular reptiles and they're ridiculously oh, cool. quick. That so I think cool. it'll be I think it'll be really cool to see at some point Bosk in live action and yeah. I don't even know how they'll do that, whether they'll use CGI or practical effects, but I think it'll look really cool. Yeah. No, it was the same as seeing like the the IG unit in Mandalorian as well. Can't remember which IG it was, but uh obviously like same thing, IG eighty eight in the originals is just like some some vague shape that is sitting there, it can't move really at all. So it's really cool seeing them like move, especially the all the characters that are bounty hunters seeing them move in like these ways that it makes sense that their job is to assassinate people it's like oh 
this is very cool actually because originally yeah we just kind of saw them stand around a table <laughs> so it's it's much cooler to see these professional killers uh go out and do some do some action rather than standing and getting orders it is yeah. very very cool the look that this that the costume and design teams gave them in the original trilogy did a lot of work because everyone thought for years all the bounty hunters were so cool and you think bounty hunters in the original trilogy basically did they nothing. all the other did was they did nothing or they got their ass absolutely handed to them like yeah. what Boba Fett did like yeah. I mean Boba Fett doesn't everyone's his favorite character for years was oh, Boba Fett he's so cool you actually think about it Boba Fett as I said, literally just gets his ass handed to him at every yeah. possible point. We have we have definitely talked about this on the podcast before, and I don't want this to be a, a Boba Fett hate podcast, but original trilogy Boba Fett is just a nightmare. He's he's no good, but we've talked about it before, so I'll not, <laughs> I'll not get into it again, because it is ridiculous. His coolest moments when Raider says no disintegrations, which implies yes. that he disintegrated <laughs> someone at some point. <laughs> Yeah, but also or, specifically disintegrated someone when he wasn't meant to, <laughs> more importantly. Which I think is even funnier. Glaring but, incompetence or over-the-top brutality you decide. Yeah. Uh, based off of the original trilogy, I'd lean more towards incompetence, but we'll, uh, we've, he's done much cooler things since, so I think that's fair enough. You have in to, his defence... I reckon yeah, canonically yeah. he was extremely drunk at the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> true, true. I, I, in my head, all of the robot chicken sketches are canon, so that's uh, that's how I justify everything Boba Fett does. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be at this point. <laughs> why not, man? Just, just, just make everything canon. Who cares? Just confuse the fans. No one is. It it doesn't have to be your job as a studio to make everything make sense. Just let just let the fans figure it out. And if you do something that contradicts something else, just be like, oh. People always assumed that Disney uh, decanonized like the legends stuff because uh, they just they wanted to replace it with their own stuff. I bet they just decanonized it because didn't want to have to pick through the whole thing. It's it's. <laughs> Like, yeah. Star Wars canon's a mess now. With that stuff, it was like thousands of books and comics yeah. and whatever. It, was it would be like, awful. oh, can we use this character or did they die in Legends? It's like, no, they died in Legends. But we could use uh, their cloned grandson, who the force ghost of them now embodies, and use that as the character because that exists in Legends as well. <laughs> like, well, why would... What? I think it's much easier to scrap it all than... Uh, yeah, try to understand that this is a droid with the brain of this character, uh, but it also has the force, and they exist inside of a moon, which is a spaceship, and it also has the force, and that's uh, and that's Star Wars. See, for people that know just how bad Legends was for this sort of stuff, I genuinely don't know if you're taking the piss or if this is something that actually happened in Legends. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit over-exaggerated, but there was, uh, in, in one of Legends comics, there was a, a clone of Luke Skywalker that was called Luke with two U's. Uh, <laughs> that's, and that's, that's true. Um, so, you know, it's not that far-fetched. 
the the things I'm making up could easily be true, but I don't I don't actually know. Um, but it, that man, Star Wars is ridiculous, and I love it. So, <laughs> uh, but that's that's all the Disney Plus stuff that I wanted to talk about, really, because there was so much. There's no way we can sit and go through all of it because a lot of it was just like, here's the title of something that's going to come out. So there's not really that much to talk about yet. So we'll we'll wait for trailers and more information for some of that stuff but lots of exciting things basically would be the the cliff notes of of disney plus day and i'm also going to guess there's probably like five direct to streaming service rock movies i think it's just the end of that <laughs> almost definitely yeah almost definitely um all right well we'll get into our topic for this week then So our topic for this week, we thought we could talk a little bit about sitcoms, which we haven't really talked about that much on the show before. Like, considering we do TV shows and movies a lot, sitcoms really have, have been neglected a little bit by us, I think, because they're, they're, so, they're such the easy watches. <laughs> very good, look, very good. Um, Yeah, I think it's maybe because they're such, like, easy watches a lot of the time sitcoms that maybe we feel like we don't have that much to, to talk about them but I feel like we've we've seen a lot of sitcoms in our time so I'm sure we'll have uh, some stuff to say but look do you want to maybe briefly describe what a sitcom is because I know I sometimes struggle to even find the line of what is and isn't a sitcom and what kind of what makes a sitcom a sitcom as well sometimes it's it's a little bit hard to tell for for me at least so why don't you give us a, a little explanation? Well, a sitcom, uh, if we break it down really simply, is short for situational comedy. And the basis of that, it's based on standalone episodes. Well, mostly standalone episodes. Some sitcoms have more continuous stories than others, but mostly the episodes will be self-contained where the characters get into very sit- various situations and comedy and hijinks ensues the format is very general and as such it allows for sitcoms to take on many different uh settings and have different characters uh sitcoms as well can either be in two formats really in terms of how they're filmed they can either be in front of a studio audience or I always get confused which one's which. It's like one's called a multi-camera set, one's called a single camera set. Basically, they can either be in front of a live studio audience or just film like a normal TV program. So samples of ones in front of the live studio audience would be your Big Bang Theories, Friends, Seinfeld. Uh, ones that are just filmed normally would be The Office, uh, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, those sorts of ones. So... The reason I would guess, uh, I sort of was getting out there why you would find it hard to describe what a sitcom is, is because, well, the format is very general. You can do a lot with it. You just need to basically have those loose elements and it's, it's a sitcom. And yeah. such that gives a lot of room to mess with the format as it would be. Yeah, exactly. And because, like, even even just in comedy you've got so much variation as to like how funny something even has to be for it to be a sitcom you know because you've got shows like friends that that are sitcoms obviously but then shows like always sunny which is also a sitcom but to me it's it leans far more into the comedy 
than than Friends would, even though Friends is very funny, but even just the style of the humor, like it feels more like a comedy than than Friends and those kind of things where it's like, yeah, you have this this really, really wide spectrum on what can what can be a sitcom because it is it's very easy situational comedy, like put people in a situation and make it funny. That's that is very, very easy guidelines to work within. Yeah. So uh, yeah, mean, there are even shows that aren't sitcoms, like some episodes will be situational comedy and other episodes won't. And you can have like, and that can still be a TV show. So it's, it can really like weave its way in and out of TV shows a lot as well. Honestly, I have, I have seen sitcoms be as given the general definition as any comedy show that yeah. has the same characters every week. Yeah. That's literally um, it. As long as. As long as it's fictional and has the same characters every week and it's a comedy, it then becomes a, a situational comedy because at that point it's not stand-up, it's not a sketch show. So yeah. it just gets put into the third other category being sitcoms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people love them. Oh my goodness. I was, so I, I was looking up for this episode, kind of uh, trying to find like the top 10 sitcoms of all time, something like, or some kind of list along those lines. And man people just love sitcoms so much they're they are pretty i was gonna say timeless I, I guess they are timeless to a certain degree but more so um i think what i mean is more so they have existed throughout all time since basically tv started uh sitcoms have just they just keep coming out and they're, they're there's always good ones as well you know um kind of from the the old to the new like whether you think even if you have some favorites that are old, old sitcoms, if you like watching TV, you'll probably have some new sitcoms that are your favorite shows as well. They really like the the standard at, at the at the higher end. I'm talking about, but the the standard is so high across the board. There is no real like getting better or worse over time. It's just there are always good ones and always bad ones, and that's it. But some of these some of these shows are just incredible. Um, do you have a particular favorite or? What what would you like to talk about first? Favorite, oh, see that that's like that is literally what who's your favorite child territory? That's to say, <laughs> I do have one, but I feel guilty saying it in front of the others. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, if we just go off which one has made me laugh the most, I would probably go the first. I think three series of Community. Oh, very good, very very good. I am a massive community fan as well, actually. Uh, and I didn't even think of that. It, see, it actually didn't come up when I was looking through all the lists. It must. I think it's one for a lot of people that's like just on the edge of their top 10s kind of thing. You know, like it's it's number 11 or 12 when they're, when they're ranking. So it ended up actually not being on a lot of the lists when I was looking through. But, oh man, community is very good. That's... That's a pretty good shite. I, I don't know what my favourite would be, to be honest. I, I'm i a big fan of a lot of shows. Uh, the one I've watched most is Friends. I've rewatched Friends uh, probably countless times. Like, not every episode, but I've just, I come back to it constantly uh, to watch. It, it's so easy to watch and it is definitely like my background kind of show. And then I'll, I'll like not watch it for ages and then I'll put it on just randomly because I want to put something on and I've got nothing to watch. So I'll be like, oh, I'll just watch an episode of Friends then because it's literally like white noise. And then I'll end up watching like a couple of seasons because I really enjoy it again and I forget 
how much I like it. Um, but I, I think I do think Friends is very good. I know it's a, a little bit basic, and I think a lot of people like to heat on it a bit more now. I think because because it's basic and people like to be hipsters. But um, I I think it's good. I think it's worthy of kind of being up there as one of the one of the best ones. But that's you know it's 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 white bread, but it's good, and I I really like it. I think it it really does make me laugh. Uh, and I think that like. It's, it's just such great characters. I think everyone, all the characters get a good moments to shine, which happens in a lot of sitcoms. But I think a lot of sitcoms have kind of a follow this format of like having one or two leads in like the first season or the first two seasons. And then if they get picked up and continue to come out, that's when all the other characters start to shine. Uh, whereas I think Friends, it's like a very strong core group that no one really is the main one at least the way i watch it uh and i think that's that's a pretty strong group to have uh where i think other sitcoms maybe don't have that as much but then you have that growth for other shows as well which i think is is very cool too um so it's just you know it's up to the each individual as to what you like isn't it but um yeah, yeah I think very good <laughs> i would issue in friends defense you don't get many shows that are as popular as Friends, but are also, I would say, as funny. Uh, yeah. You know, there's shows that are funnier, but those shows definitely aren't more popular than Friends. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not going to rag on any particular sitcoms because I'm pretty sure when I said that, everyone actually thought of a few ones in their head that maybe fit <laughs> that description. But... Yeah. A lot of the most popular shows, most people wouldn't actually describe them as being particularly funny. Yeah, I know, because I, I think sometimes with Friends, I actually, I expect it to be less funny than it is. And I, I always get like a little pleasant surprise when I find find myself laughing at all the jokes because because it's popular, you know, you expect it to not be like joke after joke. And more so, you don't expect all the jokes to hit as much as they do, but they really do. I mean, it's, it's maybe my style of humor as well that it, particularly gets me but the jokes in friends like there's very few of the jokes in friends that i don't find funny um so yeah that is definitely something for for a show to be really popular but actually enjoy everyone enjoying the humor because humor is famously subjective uh so to have something as you said that's really popular but everyone actually really laughs at too is is definitely impressive um, I mean, the, the dialogue is very sharp, to be fair, and it still is. That's the thing. Yeah. If you go back and watch it, I think really holds up. Uh, to be fair, I still think most of it holds up. I mean, you get the the people saying, oh, you couldn't make friends now, or oh, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you would st- only, that's just cultural, that's just cultural changes. I mean, you could definitely yeah. still have it now. And the chemistry and the sort of almost machine gun uh, nature of the jokes would still work really well today. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just peppered with jokes. I mean, everything is funny. And it's, it, I think part of the reason people like it so much is it does feel like what banter with your friends does feel like, or at least how you imagine it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because... I mean, in real in real life we're probably our, our jokes probably aren't quite as funny as you know well written crafted jokes by professional comedic comedic writers but uh it's it is how it feels that's how it feels when you're having a 
a bit of repartee with your friends it, it feels like that like those really great moments uh, and it does it captures it well and I think it's like it, it's uh, obviously there's like a, a big Seinfeld thing as well but of, of having these kind of pretty realistic situations that get get more and more out of hand depending on what episode but they do all feel like things that could happen to you and they feel like not real people but it feels like a real relationship you know everything they do like if it feels really isn't the right word but it, it brings you into the world more because they're not ridiculous characters they're just people who are also funny and have quite interesting lives but still normal lives you know um I think that's like a big strength for friends and I, I think Seinfeld kind of did it first and, and probably other shows too like but um that's Excellent. a big strength I think for me I'll tell you what aspect of the sitcom the uh, Friends nailed was the situational bit. I mean, yeah, okay, sometimes the setup was ridiculous for them, but the situational part of the comedy was so, is as good as any sitcom I've ever seen. I mean, the build-up to, say, the, the, the episode where Ross goes on the date with the leather pants, I mean, the build-up and all the things that happen to the apex of that episode is just that's I mean that's yeah. 10 out of 10 comedy in my mind I, yeah I, I think still, they do sorry Go ahead. I was just gonna say I still lose at watching that episode it's just so funny yeah I, it is it is hilarious I think they're very good also at as you say with the situational thing sort of sticking to one situation as well or you know one for each plot line that's happening in that episode but it sticks to that the whole time they don't like they don't waste anything you know it's not it's not like the whole situation isn't built around one joke it's built around making it last an entire episode and having several funny things happen because of this rather than throwing it all as just this thing happens then this thing happens then this thing happens completely unrelated you know I think that's that that's what good sitcoms should do and I think Friends is just a very good example of that uh another good example i would say would be the office which you mentioned before uh i'm a pretty big fan of the office um and i think it's it's another good example of that of just really utilizing every minute and just milking the comedy out of every situation because it's literally you know bar a couple of episodes it's the same room and the same people for hundreds of episodes you know there's very few where they go anywhere else and there is just not, there's not one potential, like potential joke that isn't in there, I think, in the office. Not that it's like crammed with jokes or anything, but it's just extremely well utilized, you know? Yeah, I think also the office is maybe the best one for comparing the difference is between the American and the British sitcom, because there's yeah. literally uh, one version uh, from each side of the pond of the office, and I uh, I've not really even seen that much of either, so I'm not going to tell you which ones <laughs> <laughs> I prefer. But I think it's just a good way of visualising the differences and how much British sitcoms lean into making the situation as uncomfortable as possible and yeah. using that to generate comedy. And that's yes. not for everyone, but I love that style of comedy. I, I love it as well, but I will say I, I've watched all of the American office and maybe uh, uh, two seasons of the, the British office. And the only reason I haven't finished the UK office is because 
every time I watch an episode, I need to wait about five days and have several showers before I wash off the cringe enough to make myself watch another episode because those episodes make me like turn inside out with the amount I cringe at them. And like the the US office is really cringy as well. But something about that, the UK one is just, it really, it really makes me want to die. But it is so funny that I like, I don't know, it's, it's the, this is what I imagine people who enjoy watching scary movies are like as well, where it's like that being scared isn't enjoyable, but something about the movie is so good that you, you want to watch it. That's, that's what The Office is like for me, where it's so funny and I really want to watch it so much, but it is like begging me to stop watching because it's so awful like it's so cringy to watch and just watching these people do these things is ridiculous and it's oh horrible but incredible at the same time I think it's a very a very genius show but it's much harder to watch <laughs> for sure I mean I think I've seen people sum it up as the American office is what you wish your workplace was like and the British office is what it's actually like <laughs> yeah maybe yeah oh it's certainly what you hope it's not like if if your if your workplace is like the british office i i feel very bad for you um but that that does actually bring up a, a good point that i also discovered when i was trying to look up the lists of you know the greatest sitcoms and stuff a, a big lack on the internet of appreciation for british and irish sitcoms because all the lists were just American shows, which is, you know, because most of the websites making lists were American websites. But um, it almost made me forget. Like, I, I feel like I associate the idea of a sitcom far more with that American style, like your friends and your Seinfelds and stuff. Like, that's the first place my head goes. That, again, I almost, almost didn't think some of these shows were sitcoms, you know, because in my head, these British shows, I think of them way more as comedies. But they, they are sitcoms, as we broke it down at the start, like, situational comedy that that's what it is and man some of these shows are just incredible because these are more of the ones that like not that I grew up with but when I was sort of a teenager and started enjoying funny shows these are the shows I would have watched because it's like the shows my dad would have showed me basically um but man some some of the British uh, sitcoms are, are really great so we could maybe talk about those a little bit um yeah. for me a great example, as you're talking about, of that British humour of really leaning into the awkwardness of every situation. Uh, I think Faulty Tars is a great example, and uh, I'm Alan Partridge. Incredible <laughs> examples of, of that, of just cringe humour, and just making, your, making you ask yourself, even, even though you know it's made-up characters and it's all written in a script, you're, I still find myself asking, like, why would they do that? Like, why would you think that would work constantly whenever I watch those shows? That's all I'm like, even no matter how much you know it's not real, it still just makes makes me cringe so hard. But oh, those shows are so funny. Um, you fans of those or, or any other ones come to mind? Oh, absolutely. I mean, as much love as I have for American sitcoms, I think on average, the British sitcom is far funnier. And yeah. I'm, I'm saying that I think that's because a lot of the time the British sitcoms have the benefit of only having six episodes this series rather than that, they do 20 plus. But yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about as much as I enjoy Friends, how much do I laugh 
a course across a 21 minute episode of Friends compared to half an hour of the in-betweeners. I, yeah. even now, for the amount of seen them, I'm basically having an accident almost every time I watch an episode <laughs> of in-betweeners. And that's pretty much every episode across the entire run of the show. Yeah. I will just yeah. be losing it. Like I watched the episode uh, where they bunk off school and get drunk. I was, <laughs> yeah. oh my word, the tears were tripping me. Uh, it's just, it's, it just, they just go to places American sitcoms won't. Yeah. Uh, especially, I think it's because of Bedford, a lot of these British shows got broadcast after the watershed, whereas the American shows were going on at maybe seven or eight in the yeah. evening. But oh, it's just, it's brutally funny. Some uh, British sitcoms, as I said, some of my favorites is the In Betweeners, Black Adder, uh, yeah. Faulty Towers, uh, I'm Alan Partridge. I mean, uh, in the thick of it, they're all just classics. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think you're definitely right. I think for me, like a big difference would be sometimes, like watching an American show. Sometimes I'll I'll really be laughing at some of those jokes, like they're really funny. But I'll also be like appreciating that it's a good joke or a well written joke. Uh, where like the comedy in those American shows, I think is feels very much like written comedy, which obviously it is in the UK ones as well. But the UK ones feel a lot more like just doing stuff that is funny rather than necessarily like having set up punchline or trying to make like a well-crafted, well-written joke. It's more just, this will be funny if we do it. So let's do it and it'll be funny. And it always is, which I think maybe is in a way even more situational because it feels very in the moment. It's not, you don't even need necessarily like a setup or you don't need someone to say the thing before the joke comes in kind of thing you know it's it's just very there's obviously a lot of like physical humor and stuff as well but even just to like people shouting things in the in-betweeners that there's no way I would repeat on this podcast (laughs) things like things like that that it's not it's not even necessarily a joke in like in it the format of it isn't necessarily a joke but it is funny still Uh, and I feel like that's a maybe a big difference in in the two uh and I, I think those moments can just really grab you, like really, really make you laugh. And a bit more in that, like, just not uncontrollable, but yeah, that that real wheezing kind of la- lying on the floor kind of laughing because it's it's not for like rhyme or reason and there isn't the format to it. It's just a, a bit more random and a little bit more really like can surprise you or just catch you where you, you didn't think it was going to make you laugh. And then it really, really tickles you. Um, but I, I would agree, like, some of these shows may not even be as well written as some of the American shows, but are still just hilarious in a different kind of way, you know. Uh, there is a definite, like, difference in the style. But, yeah, some of these some of these British shows, as you said in there, like, um, all, those, all those shows are just incredible. And uh, they feel very classic to me as well. I think there's something, like, quite nostalgic a little bit for for me with those because it is like not not so much my introduction to comedy but just real real appreciation and like just really really starting to find things that made me laugh I think is is what I associate those shows with rather than like stumbling across funny stuff actually like putting things on that I knew would be funny uh, is kind of what I associate those shows with which I, I think is a little special place in my heart because I I hold comedy quite dearly. Uh, not that you could tell by my awful jokes, <laughs> but uh, 
I do I do really like funny stuff and, and those shows kind of were were a big part of, of how I learned what jokes were. So yeah. I, I appreciate those a lot. What I think what can lead on from though is uh sort of in the Brit- American sitcom was always classic. The characters had to improve as people from the start to finish of the episode. They had to learn something, whereas in British sitcoms, the characters were a lot of the time irredeemably awful people who instead <laughs> of learning something, basically managed it was more about getting away with the terrible thing they had done in said episode, like Black Adder eating uh uh the field marshal's pigeon uh but then i think you saw two i'll pick out two american sitcoms that i think took the idea that the people the people had to grow across the series across the episode and went for the more british approach of having terrible people do terrible things and that's uh, they're two of the best American ones, and that's Seinfeld, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and even an extension of Seinfeld into like Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. Yeah. Uh, similarly, just yeah, because it's it's annoying, but it is it. You can't say it's not funny to see those people just do doing awful things and then learning absolutely zero lessons from it. It's just so funny especially when they like if they go on the same sort of arc that a hero would go on normally but through the entire thing they just do don't do don't do a hero's journey at all (laughs) they just are still just as bad by the end and then at the end they just completely toss aside any potentially valuable information i love that it's so funny and they are the bad guys that's the point you're not meant to like them. You're just meant to laugh at how funny it is. And I think that is, it's a, it, it is interesting. Like I, I, I think it takes a little bit of bravery, I think, to, to write characters like that, that you don't have to make them appealing and, and people will still watch the show because it's funny. But it, there is a risk to that of being like, okay, no one's going to like this guy. He's horrible all the time, but he's the main character of our show. So fingers crossed people just watch it anyway uh, i think that is like there is a risk along with that but it, it pays off for a lot of these things i think yeah i mean i'm i was just thinking of a bunch of episodes where <laughs> it's hammered home how bad the people and it's always sunny arm why they're the villains like the episode with the soldier the episode any episode with cricket yeah uh, the fact dennis is it's hinted at that dennis is just a full-blown serial killer <laughs> yeah yeah it is those shows are, well i i love always sunny i haven't watched loads of seinfeld or kirby enthusiasm but i've watched episodes um but always sunny is just just amazing it is so funny it, like i remember i remember when i discovered that show like when i first came across it and just just must have finished like three seasons in two days <laughs> Because I just didn't turn it off, like just constantly walk about watching it every chance I got. Because every episode was like having me in stitches. I think it must have been a, a holiday at the time, so I was like off for a few days and just nonstop watched Always Sunny. But it is, it really gets me. Like it really, really makes me laugh. Similarly to what I was saying about the UK Office earlier, though, it's it can be tough to watch some of those episodes because they're just awful. 
but um, the jokes are just so so funny and always sunny. It really it would be it would be very near my top uh, if we were to to rank them. I don't want to rank them. There are too many good ones. I'd want to put everything in first. But uh, well, if, I'd, if I'd, we I'd, were I'd... always sunny is rather than ranking if if we were doing tiers, always sunny would easily be an S tier for me. Well, at the end, why don't we do our three, in no particular order, our three favourite US and our three favourite UK sitcoms? We'll do that at the end. That feels Uh, like a a good way to do it. uh, I was going to say, you just reminded me, the most I've ever watched of a sitcom consecutively was, I think, one time I was off sick and I basically couldn't move from the sofa. I watched eight hours consecutively. Uh, That'll get fixed in the editing process. Because Reese, yeah, Reese will prefer to make me look like an idiot. You <laughs> <laughs> can't say consecutively. There you go. I just said consecutively correctly in consecutive times. <laughs> um, I'm taking all of this bit out. I'm just leaving yeah. the one in where you said it wrong. Do <laughs> doi. <laughs> uh, yes, I watched. I was off sick and watched ERs in a row <laughs> of. <laughs> of uh parks and recreation mm, yeah there's I've, no real that's a very good one to to watch though for ars that is a i can I see love, why i love parks and rec uh but yeah i was gonna say why don't we move a bit closer to home and look at some of the, and i think there's two sitcoms from the island of ireland as a whole that deserve a mention start with Fowler ted absolutely which will absolutely needs mentioned <laughs> yeah i i mean i don't want to like keep bragging on about the differences between american and british comedy but i really and i know father ted's not british because it's from ireland but we're just saying as a whole the, the, the two the two islands next to each other it's quicker to say british comedy apologies uh father ted is the sort of calling I think you could only get uh, around these parts just because yeah. of how surreal some of the comedy is. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's one of those ones that it it just it varies so much between little jokes in realistic kind of situations to absolute insanity as well. But it, it all is still set so locally in this tiny little, little town. Uh, and like nothing big ever happens but it feels like the most massive things ever are happening as well and like it it it's an absolute masterclass in how to do that i think as well um but man that that show is just ridiculous and incredible just it, it warms my heart watching father ted i love it um yeah and it's it hits a hard balance because it's hard to have humor that is so local to the people making it because the humour is very Irish at times, yeah. but that also holds the broad broad appeal. Like, and I know, I mean, just think of Northern Irish sitcom, I love Give My Head Peace. That show, yeah. literally no one outside of Northern Ireland would would find it funny. Like, no. the humour is only relevant to people in Northern yeah. Ireland. But Father yeah. Ted, for having such Irish comedy, like, I, I think everyone would find it funny. It's just yeah, so definitely. well written. Yeah, it's got it's got such wide appeal, as they say. Um, it and, is it's really hilarious. And the episode where Dougal becomes a milk float driver 
is probably one of the single funniest episodes any sitcom has ever done. That that was gonna be that was gonna be my uh, my mention as well. I was gonna ask if you had a favorite episode or a favorite joke, and that that was gonna be mine. So <laughs> agreed, we'll agree on that. That episode is so funny. I get, I mean, there's a million good at ep- well, not a million, but every episode of Father Ted is a good episode as far as I'm concerned. But that that milk driver one is just so funny, <laughs> unbelievably good. Uh, what was right. your what was your other honorable mention from? Well, I was going to. Even closer, I was going to give a shout out to the new worldwide phenomenon in terms of comedy from our scepter dial, uh, Dairy Girls. Yes, it, it has become beloved, that, that show. Uh, a show that I simply cannot watch. Um, I actually do, I, I really like bits of it. I think it is, and I think it's hilarious, but the, that Dairy accent makes me cringe. And I don't know if it's because I have a Northern Irish accent. So it's not all of them, like it's just some of them. Uh, but some of them I'm like, is this real? Is this is this real? Is this really is this how I sound? Like that's what it makes me do. You have to be careful now, Reese. I don't know if our podcast has reached West the band, but if it has, we're <laughs> we're gonna be hemorrhaging listeners from there now. No, no, no. I, I'm I'm talking more about myself than anyone else. It makes me it makes me question how I even speak. Um it's just, and it's just because we're so you like seeing any t- seeing one Northern Irish person in a show is always like a culture shock to me. So to have an entire show and everyone speaks like this, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it doesn't feel real to me. It feels surreal. But um, no, I have I've watched a lot of it and like my my whole family loves the show. Uh, it is hilarious. The jokes are really really funny. Like I I I understand why people like it, but it just it makes me question everything about myself. <laughs> Yeah. I watch it, but it, it, does, another... it does give me a lot of pride, even though we have nothing to do with that show other than being from the same place. <laughs> but uh, it does it does make you feel like, oh, that's that's near where I live, kind of. It's another good example of um, local humor working on a global scale. Because I mean, you think you see you hear a joke and you think, oh, that's fine, but like only people from here will get it, and then you find out that like. Uh, people from America love it and you're like that must yeah. be seriously oh. well written because that is very local humor a yeah. lot of that. <laughs> yeah yeah but I think it's also an element is also like you're you're almost inviting people to be a part of like an inside joke in a certain way too but I think it's like that has a lot of appeal as well to sort of make these jokes really easy to read and easy to understand and not feel like a, a closed off thing to make it feel more like you're part of the the gang you know it, it feels very um very personal kind of I guess would be the word so like it, it does I think that's a real that's really appealing to a lot of people to have these these jokes that feel like you know like you were saying earlier it feels like friends having banter you know and, and it does feel a little bit more real and I think that's kind of probably the strength of Dairy Girls it doesn't feel very like it doesn't feel really written you know to every word it feels a, a quite natural um from what I've seen of it anyway uh yeah that, that to me would be kind of the appeal of it yeah no I think as well as that uh what I, why I know a lot of people love it is because the same way people in betweeners was actually a lot like how they remembered going through school I know a lot of people say the same thing about Dairy Girls. People from uh, Northern Ireland say 
this was what it was like growing up during that time period and yeah i can't say because i mean i little i'm a little bit after that time period obviously <laughs> not like yeah, loads i'm only like 10, 10 15 years after it growing up yeah. but i mean uh i think that that's always like uh i think people enjoy a sitcom transporting them back to a time do you know what one not a sitcom this is an aside this was like this was almost bizarre how well they recreate the period. Better Call Saul. Yeah, is like it's a scarily good re, it's a scarily good at reproducing the early to mid two thousands. Like, mm. I, I, if, I feel like if you watch video clips of back then, it's all like sort of, it's all lower resolution. It's like I don't, it's not how you remember it. Better Call Saul. We're not getting to the point where we can have things set in like that time period is a period piece and it's, it's, it's such it's such like a mind uh we'll say mind <laughs> frick rather than, <laughs> a mind uh, f. it's like it's exactly how i remember it like the clothing the phones the computers yeah. the adverts what the tv was like it's all like it's scary how well they recreated that period of time and it's just, it was yeah. the time I was growing up. And it's like, it's a weird experience. It's right there, yeah. <laughs> uh, having you like, now the period you're growing up being setting in the past. Like, and I know how yeah. people who grew up in like the 70s, 70s 80s, 90s feel. Yeah. <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> yeah, to see uh, to see people looking back at a time when you were alive doesn't feel, <laughs> doesn't feel good. Yeah. But, uh, I guess it's quite cool in a way as well to see that though. All right, so let's uh let's do our top threes then to finish us off. Um, will we start US or start UK? UK and Ireland, sorry. Uh, US. Top three US. All right. Um. Okay. Do you want to go first? Do you have a three in mind? Yeah, I think so. I'll go. Community, as I said, specifically the first few series. I, I I didn't actually watch I think series four or any of the ones past <laughs> that. Uh, I'll go for as well as that Parks and Rec. This is a tight one to get into third spot. I, the third spot was very competitive because those other two were nailed in. I think there was a few of things I was considered Brooklyn Nine Nine, Arrested Development, Friends. There was there was a few, but I think I'm actually going to go for one, and this is a part nostalgia pick. Uh, Fraser. I mean, I didn't mention that as well, but nice. I love Fraser. <laughs> no, that that's that's a good choice. I I don't like Fraser, but I, it seemed to be on a lot when I was younger, and I don't I don't know if my parents particularly like it either, or if it was just like on at a certain time that I always happened to be in the house. But I remember Fraser being on all the time whenever I was younger. I didn't really it's, I didn't like it that much. It's always on, like sort of earlyish on Channel Four. I love it. I, the dialogue is so sharp, and some of some of the episodes are like absolutely absolute gut busters how funny they are yeah. like the the one where they do the radio play and stuff but yeah um, those are my three picks very nice i'm actually uh, i i don't have any that cross over with your top three that's interesting um i'm gonna go i'm gonna go friends because i talked about it earlier for ages it'd be weird if i didn't um i think i am gonna pick the office now i only finished it quite recently so that maybe i may still be in a bit of a honeymoon phase with it but i do really like the office especially like those first few seasons 
um, kind of, what is it, like season five or so, whenever uh, Michael leaves. Um, I think after that, I still think it's funny after that, but it does it does lose a bit of that shine. I think it maybe should have ended earlier, but uh, I the, it's it's still w- well worth watching um, the the whole show. But those those first few seasons are incredible. And then um, I th- I think this is still a, a sitcom. Again, we didn't talk about it. Would you allow The Simpsons? I was wondering about pick? animated sitcoms. I think yeah, because they are called animated sitcoms. Yeah, uh, as if we're if we're calling that an animated one. Um, then I think I'd probably go Always Sunny as my third uh, for a live action one. And then if we want to call The Simpsons a separate one, but either way, uh, that's that's my list. Simpsons, I mean, we we could and will do a Simpsons episode on the podcast because there is no point in us starting to talk about it. We could talk about it forever. Yeah. Uh, but we, we will be doing a Simpsons episode. It's been in, it's been in the pipeline for a while. So. Yeah. It's our it's but, our fallback for when we don't have something to talk about yeah. any week. We'll, we'll do a Simpsons episode. If, the Simpsons, uh, the Simpsons one for people who are wondering is going to be an absolute bumper one, which is why yeah, we sort yeah. of we just need to pick a week where there's really there, there probably wouldn't even be even that much news just because it's gonna yeah it's gonna <laughs> be such a long segment. Yeah, whatever the week Marvel finally don't release anything, that'll be the week we do the Simpsons episode. Uh, if that ever happens, that's maybe wishful thinking. But yes, that's that's coming. That's coming. Simpsons episode. All right. Uh, and then your UK and Irish sitcoms. What what are you thinking? In betweeners, hundred uh, percent. I think I'll go Father Ted as well. Third pick's competitive. I'm sort of tossing up between a few here. Uh, it crowd's definitely in and about there. Uh, I am going to go with I'm Alan Partridge very nice very nice yeah all all of the ones we mentioned are you know floating up out my top tier list but just to pick out three in the moment it could be any but uh I'm I'm gonna also have to say in betweeners, um, and then just to just to be different to you because Father Ted and Alan Partridge could easily be in mine as well. Uh, I'm gonna say Faulty Towers. Have to put Faulty Towers in. It's one of my favorite shows of all time, sitcom or not. So it would have to be in there. And uh, then another one we we actually didn't talk about earlier. I'm gonna put Gavin and Stacey in as my third, um, because. I really like that show as well. It was between that and the IT crowd, which uh, we also didn't talk about, but you mentioned there. Uh, great, just great shows. Really great shows. Um, not much to say about them other than they're incredible, but they, uh, yeah, Gavin and Stacey is a a, a classic. Um, and I really like it as well. It was only, like, I watched, I did watch it when I was younger, but it was only recently that I actually, like, sat down and watched the whole thing, you know, start to end. It's a it's a very good show. Um, there is definitely like you can see a big difference in the ones we picked for like the UK ones uh, compared to the US ones. Just you were saying earlier about like having six episode seasons and stuff, but even just the fact that so many of these have such few seasons as well, like they they feel way more like a sort of time capsule because they don't really span decades of time. 
the way some of these other massive, massive US shows do, uh, which I, I don't I don't know if that's positive or negative. It's just an observation. But I think that is interesting. Like these, the a lot of those UK ones feel like shows that you could come back and rewatch, and you could you would rewatch all of it. You know, you would do the whole show because it is only maybe a couple of seasons to watch, and it is only six episodes in a season or whatever. Whereas it, some of these UK sitcoms are to me more like background shows that you would put on because there's a, a million episodes of it and you've watched it already so you don't need to pay attention to it because there's so many to churn through it doesn't really matter um and I think that's just interesting to kind of that they are such different types of shows and it all it all links back to what we were saying at the start about sitcoms having so much variation and it just shows how how many different things you can make all within the same kind of sitcom umbrella. Uh, and I think that's very interesting. Look, any, any closing remarks? Mm, yeah. I think I've probably seen uh, every single episode of The Big Bang Theory two to three times because my parents love it so much. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. If you haven't seen them all, you've heard them through the wall. Because <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been at your house and overheard your parents watching The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Not that I'm a no, fan. I think, I think, to be fair, I would remind people, I'm not sure, I, I don't get how anybody would really get angry about it, but if you think we've let this one off, two things. One, there's so many sitcoms, we're bound to forget something. <laughs> two, Again, there's so many sitcoms. We can't have seen them all if you're sitting there thinking, why have they not said Fleabag's the best thing on TV? And it's like, that's because I've not I watched seen, Fleabag. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, literally like two or three of the ones that were in our favourites, we forgot to mention when we were talking about them. So that goes to show like just, there's a, there's a million billion shows uh, and the, these lists could change the second we stop recording. I could think of another thing, you know? Um, but that's that's how these things always go. Favorites don't really matter; they're all great and like what you like. Um, but yeah, I think this just this just shows that there are some unbelievable TV shows out there, and uh, we're very fortunate, I think, to to have such great TV shows to watch. But sitcoms really are one of my favorite things to watch. Um, so it's it. It's good that we like took an episode, I think, to talk about them because they they deserve a bit of a light shone on them from from our podcast, in my opinion. Uh, but let's move on to our our last segment, which is "Have you seen this?" This is where we talk about what we've been watching or reading or doing over the last week or so, and uh, we have a little chat about it. Uh, look, I'm actually going to do do a, a weird one this week. Uh, I'm going to talk about an album this week. So, have you heard? An Evening with Silk Sonic? Uh, I haven't heard that. Is, is Silk Sonic the name of the band? Silk Sonic, yes. Uh, so Silk Sonic is, this is the new project that uh, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack have been working on together. Uh, they released a couple of singles together, kind of in building up to it. And then the entire album, uh, An Evening with Silk Sonic, just, just released yesterday? No, uh, a few days ago. Um, it is extremely good. It's it's a lot of like just funk and, and soul kind of music. Um, real, really, if you liked the Bruno Mars 24 Karat Magic album, you'll probably like this a lot as well. 
It's got that same kind of vibe, but even more so kind of dialed up to 11. Uh, Silk Sonic is the name of their like group in inverted commas. Uh, those two as a double act. Um, kind of the, almost playing character like caricatures of themselves in a way, or like weird, weird, you know, 70s, 80s versions of these of those kind of uh those kind of singers. Uh, uh, it's hard to describe, but um the 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 music's really great. But the thing I find interesting about it was just this like approach to making music in like an almost charactery way with like a, a nod and a wink to the audience and just how much like that doesn't really matter and people just want to hear good music and, and people don't mind if it's like well this isn't very much like Bruno Mars or you know and like Anderson Pack makes a lot of like hip-hop music as well and stuff so to be able to just switch up styles and not really just be able to to go to the audience like this isn't really us or it's not really our traditional kind of thing but we're making cool good music and and it's and it is good and I, I think people really enjoyed it and no one really had a problem with that I just think that's quite interesting uh and I, I would love to see more music kind of done a bit more tongue-in-cheek like that and it doesn't have to be the most serious thing in the world or you don't need to pour your heart and soul into it it can kind of just be you can make music or you can make anything for fun and it can still be high quality you know I think sometimes when you just do something for fun or you don't take something seriously it's expected that it won't be that high quality but it still can be like something that you just do for a bit of fun and you don't you know craft it over years or whatever it can still be very good and I, I just think this album was kind of a cool way to to show that that being said they're two unbelievably talented people so it's <laughs> maybe not that maybe doesn't go for everyone that you'll you'll be able to produce high quality music with no effort but they can so i'm inspired <laughs> yeah if i tried to do an album in like a few weeks or whatever it probably wouldn't be very good <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but if you took a bit of time look i think you'd get there you know so each to each their own um what have you been seeing this week Eh. Uh... I really haven't watched very much TV. I sort of, I was like, I was, I was visiting home, so sort of some stuff on the TV I wasn't really watching. Like, a Great British Bake Off was on, but I was like on the phone mostly. It's, it's all right. Uh, uh, okay, I'll just go for like, oh, well, I've watched some movies. Yeah. Uh, have you seen scary movie i have not seen scary movie no netflix keeps recommending it to me i watched scary movie because i thought okay i should watch a halloween sort of movie because uh well it was halloween i didn't really want to watch like a proper horror movie because that's not really my jam so i watched scary movie because it seems some clips of it online and funny and i i tell you what yeah I, i didn't have a bad time watching it it's it's pretty far from a classic, but I wasn't expecting a classic. And yeah. um, some of like the the references of the time were quite amusing. I would say if you're talking about films that aren't going to be made today, I don't <laughs> think I, I I actually think scary movies is a good example. Probably something's not going to be made today. Nothing that offensive. It's just it's humor very of that particular time period. Yeah. Uh, we have we have poked a lot of fun at that style of humor before and there is definitely like 
there are definitely some jokes in it that work but i think uh, as we've said before like scary movie one is probably fine but those those style of movies that i don't know how many there are like five or six of those scary movies probably like that that style of comedy you can see it going out of fashion (laughs) movie by movie as it kind of gets harder and harder for those references to be funny uh, you can just see that comedy like die off with each sequel for those like scary movies and epic movies and stuff. Um, I mean, I'm saying that like I've watched them, I haven't, but <laughs> from from the clips I've seen, the it uh, the quality doesn't hold up movie by movie. But uh, a lot of people love that first scary movie, and obviously, yeah, there's a reason like the comedy does work in in some aspects. So uh, there's there's obviously something to its credit. To be fair, what I would say, at least with Scary Movie, it's more like comedy. It's more like a parody film with references, sort of like what... It's not as good as Austin Powers, but like what Austin Powers is. Austin Powers is a parody movie with references to spy movies. I mean, the later Scary Movies are more... It's more like a reference movies with (laughs) some hints of parody. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the original Scary Movie, I enjoyed it. It's not... It's not a classic, and I would... uh, any recommendation would have to come with the pretty heavy facet. You need to enjoy comedy films of the early 2000s or else you won't like this one because <laughs> it's very, very of that time period. But yeah, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. At least felt like I was somewhat getting into the Halloween spirit. As I said earlier, it wasn't like I was getting into it by wearing a costume or anything. So, <laughs> Well, least... I, thought you went, I thought you went as man sitting on a sofa. No. Well, yeah, I've been wearing that costume since last Halloween, so. <laughs> True. You'll need a new one for next year. Maybe Man no, Sitting on Bouton. <laughs> or oh, um, yeah, Man like Sitting on Rocking work. Chair. I, I like you know. to have my feet up when I'm sitting down. It makes my back <laughs> feel better. You could you could switch it up for next year, you know. Could be could be something slightly different. <laughs> Man falling asleep watching TV at 11 yeah yeah that's pretty good that's pretty good so you know there's we've got options is what i'm saying you don't need to recycle the same costume every year i'm sure there's something you could do to make next year different but that's a whole year away we'll worry about that next year uh, <laughs> but that that's just about us thank you very much for listening i enjoyed talking about that today look actually that was, that was good fun good um fun. if you want to get in contact with the show you can follow us on our social media we're on instagram we're on twitter we have a subreddit all that stuff if you want to write in you can send an email to crackandbanterpod at gmail.com if you want to give us a recommendation or uh, tell us something to watch something to talk about uh, we can absolutely do that or if you want to just tell us how we're not funny at all and we could never be in a sitcom then you can let us know that as well and uh, we'll read it all there but thank you very much for listening look do you want to close us out yes Thank you for listening to Crack and Bunter podcast. Uh, I'll just leave you with Red Sky at Night, Shepherd's Delight, Red Sky in the Morning, Shepherd's Warning, Red Sky in the Midday. Oh no, the sun is falling, the world's about to end. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. See you next week.